Hey, Tiana, thank you so much for being here. And one of the reasons that I am glad that you're here is because you're going to have a very unique angle when it comes to money. Uh, right. But before we jump into that, I want you to tell the audience a little bit about you. Tell us, tell us who is Tiana? So I am Tiana Recluis. I am an executive pastor and a financial coach. My focus really is on helping women who are trapped in corporate lives step into what God's calling them to do. I have a huge problem with green cotton being the reason why you can't follow uh, God's call in your life. And so that's my focus is taking back control of your money. So whatever God's calling you to do, whether it's ministry or launching a business, that's what you can do. And the reason why I'm so passionate about it is literally that is what I've done. So yeah, I, I blend all the ministry and all of the financial coaching into one, one package. But you didn't start it that way, right? Something no. must have happened <laughs> way before that. So let's go back to that. Yeah. So my journey was a little interesting. And to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing because my degree is in accounting. So I started off as a finance major, graduated with an accounting degree because my teachers were like, you're amazing at accounting. You should go do this. So I am handling accounting for uh, major companies. I was a certified fraud examiner, a CPA, like all of the things, which means that I should have known what to do with my money, right? No, yeah. I was <laughs> terrible at it. So I was a single girl. I got in debt. Um, I was like, I can't live like this. I got out of debt. And then I got married. Okay. And I discovered that marriage as a whole new dynamics of managing your money um, I was at that point a saver and my husband was like, I'll take $5,000 out of the bank and just go on a shopping spree. So very different, very different backgrounds, very different scenarios, very different attitudes and emotions regarding money. Okay. Oh, that's, yeah. this is interesting. This is getting very interesting. <laughs> yes. It, it was very interesting because it ended up resulting in, you know how it is when it's like, you're having all the money fights because you're doing this thing and I'm trying to help us hit this goal. We don't have the same vision. We are like, we're not walking on one accord. And because we're not walking in one accord, he's trying to do this thing. I'm trying to do that thing. And then sometimes I'm trying to keep the peace. So I'm letting him do things that I know in my head is a terrible idea, but you let him do it anyway, because you're trying to keep the peace. And it got to the point where us two people who were making combined, we were making over $130,000 a year. But we had to sell his gun one day to pay the light bill. Wow. Okay. And we're Texans. We don't sell our guns. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and, and, and so that was, that was the breaking point for us. We were like, something's got to give, something's got to change. And so we went on a journey of um, really on a journey of trying to figure out how to get our money life in order. And we used uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peach University as our basis. Um, we ended up making some tweaks, of course, but we used it as our basis. And within the first year, we paid off $33,000 worth of debt. We bought a brand new home that was double the price and size of where we were living before. Um, and we were no longer trapped on that paycheck to paycheck cycle. And because of that, I was like, I want to help other people do the same thing. So I started teaching the classes. The problem was at the end of each class, people were 
people understood the concepts, but they didn't understand how to take those concepts and apply them to their specific situations. Yeah. And I realized that all this time folks are judging people like, oh, how do you not understand how to do this really simple, basic stuff? It, when you're trapped in the weeds and you're trapped in the emotions of your own situations, it's really hard to see your way out, even when yep. the solution's right in front of you. Yes. And so that's when the light bulb went off. And that's when I started, uh, I started out as C-Law Financial Coaching. And then once I stepped into ministry, it evolved. <laughs> that's great. That's great. So what, what was it, turn, like, how were you guys able to, you know, you and your husband to then come to an agreement, you know, because yes, mm -hmm. you know, Financial Peace University is great, but like, it, you know, like that doesn't necessarily change people. There has to be something else, right? So what happened there? So I think, so one of the first keys is that my husband and I got on one accord. That was the thing I discovered is the biggest thing. Yeah. And a huge part of become getting on one accord is having the same vision, Too many couples I've seen, they they think they have the same vision, but they haven't talked it out in enough detail to understand that they know what they want life to look like. So if you ask my husband what life is going to look like at some point, we know there's probably going to be a condo in California somewhere because he loves California. There's going to be a ranch somewhere that is big enough for all of our children and our grandkids. We have four kids, and if our children have as many kids as we did, we need a lot of space for grandkids. And so we know that's part of our vision. Both of us, we never intend to stop working. We love public speaking. So part of our vision is to have an RV. But do you see how detailed this vision is? Yes. Like, yeah. So, but how, how because, and I'm going to ask you again, because mm -hmm. couples, sometimes they're afraid to talk about you know, what they yeah. really want and their vision, like how were, were you guys able to, hey, sit down and become honest with each other, especially because, again, you were the saver and one money yeah. conscience that he was like, I just want to splurge, you know, I want to spend and splurge, etc. Yeah. Um, so with that, there's really two keys that I found to that. One is that you create a safe space to have that conversation. Um, a lot of times if one person's making mistakes around money Um, what happens is the person who's not making the mistake starts to condemn the other person. And so you have to make it where a money conversation can be a no condemnation space. So If emotions can, out, no emotions. Yeah, like take your emotions out of the situation. Let's talk about it. Well, I can't even say take your emotions out of the situation. It's just respecting and honoring each other's emotions. Yeah, that's good. That's better. So My husband loves nice things. He loves luxury things. And just because I might not, I love experiences more than I love luxury items. But that does not mean I have to dishonor the fact that he loves luxury items. We can have both. He can have his luxury and I can have my experiences. So let's build a vision where both of us can have what we desire. There's no reason why your vision has to look like one one partner's cookie cutter situation yes you know the bible says you're one so create one vision that you're working towards um and then the other thing is understanding that if you guys can't create a safe space there's something deeper going on than money most money fights aren't really about the money they're usually about some form of distrust yeah. and so if you have to go into counseling and begin to understand 
what is causing us to what why is the trust broken because if you're arguing with your spouse because of money that they're spending is it the money that they spent or is it that you don't trust them to have the family's best interest at heart and where did that distrust come from it usually didn't come from the money yeah so i want to ask you regarding that too because uh you mentioned that okay you know we did we took this class now we are on the right page And then we mm -hmm. bought a house yes. bigger and double. So I'm pretty sure that some of the people in the audience are like, that doesn't make sense, you know, because I, when you become more money conscious, then you're going to be like saving more, or like being more frugal and things like that. So, so tell me what changed that motivated you guys to, hey, we're going to buy a bigger house, maybe dream bigger, do bigger things, mm -hmm. et cetera. I mean, Frank, the biggest reason why we bought a Baker house is because we had too many kids in the house. <laughs> <laughs> the house that we were living in was the house that I bought when I was a single woman. I had no boyfriend. I had no prospects for a boyfriend. So I'm thinking I bought this house as a single woman at 24. It'll probably be a couple of years before I get married. A few more years before we have kids. We're fine. And then I married someone who had three kids from his first marriage. Okay. <laughs> and then we added a fourth. And so this is it a three-bedroom house. Quickly. Yeah, it was, I went overnight from just a single woman to a married woman with three kids and then soon a fourth one on the way. And so that little three-bedroom house, it was, it was too small, especially when you have, when two of those kids is a rambunctious boys, like- They want to run around. They want to play sports. They want to beat each other up. Yeah. <laughs> too much. Um, so it was important to us that um, we had enough space where everyone could live comfortably, um, where everyone could enjoy the life that they lived, and where we were in a really good and safe school district. Okay. Yeah, those things are important. And then um, money-wise, you know, like how did that affect you guys and like probably change your, your vision, your mindset, et cetera? So one of the things that we understood it intellectually, but when we saw it in real life, it totally changed our perspective is once the debt card paid off, it was like we got an instant raise. There was all this extra money there. And we're like, oh, we can more than afford this bigger house because when we did the math, the what we were paying on the house each month was less than 20% of our annual income. Yeah. But we had so much debt And the payments on the debt was so high that you didn't get to actually see and realize that this was possible. And so that's one of the beautiful things is, and that's actually one of the things that helps when, um, when like I'm working with clients and helping them paint the vision, what will your life look like if those debt payments are gone? What are things that you can do that you never thought you could do before without that $500 a month car payment? Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you now regarding what you do now, right? That you're mm -hmm. helping people in inside your ministry, you're helping people with money, you're educating them and helping them with that. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people has, or they, they have this feeling that money is bad or that money is evil and that, um, you know, so, so how, how do you help, um, you know, your clients or people like that, that have that point of view to kind of like have a more a healthier um, mm -hmm. approach when it comes to money. 
and finances? So as a, as a minister, this is probably one of the things that upsets me most is when, especially Christians, believe that there's something wrong with having money, there's something wrong with having wealth. Because if you pay attention, especially if you pay attention in the Bible, you'll see all these times where God blessed his followers abundantly. You've got David and Solomon, Abraham, Jacob, they all had vast wealth. And then all of a sudden it became money is this bad thing. And what people do is they'll take scriptures like, um, they'll say, you know, money is the root of all evil. Well, there are some translations of the Bible that say money is the root of all evil, but most translations say uh, money is the root of of all kinds of evil. Because, and it continues on to talk about how people in pursuit of money stray away from the faith. And so they forget those extra scriptures that come afterwards that say the money, because they were pursuing the money, they strayed away from God's path for their life and ended up in sin. Basically, they turned money into their idol. If money is your idol, yeah, of course God's upset about it. He tends to be really upset about idolatry. And so if money becomes your idol, if money is the thing that you are depending on to fix your life, if if money is the most important thing to you, always having money, having more money, if that's the number one thing you care about, then yes, God has a problem because he wants to be number one in your life. Yes. But if you make God number one in your life and then afterwards you worry about money, it can work out very well for you. And I'm a living proof of that. <laughs> yes. yes, it makes a lot of things. It definitely makes a lot of sense. So how do you help your clients now? So my focus when I'm helping my clients is one of the things I like to uncover is what is it that they feel God is calling them to do is one of the first things. And the reason I like to do that is because many people are trying to figure out, a lot of people ask the question of kind of what is my purpose, right? And there's a whole biblical explanation behind it. But ultimately, the question isn't necessarily what is my purpose, but what is my assignment? Because God wants me to represent him on earth. But how does he want me to do it with my skills and talents or whatever gifts he's graced me with? And so I, I want to help I want to help them understand that from a ministerial standpoint, because many times if you don't know where you're going, if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish, if you don't know what you feel you are meant to do in life, you're just going to flounder. You'll just pick up anything and you'll try a bunch of stuff. And so your money and the financial decisions you make, they have no direction. So that's one of the things I like to focus on is let's begin to understand where you feel God is calling you to go, what he's calling you to do. And many women who reach out to me already have a pretty good idea. So we dive into it. We dive into it deeper because then it's like, okay, so then let's paint the vision. What does that look like? Now let's break down the vision. What are steps we can take to get there? Okay. Then we actually get to the money part of, all right, so what financial steps do we need to make to get us from here to those little steps that we can take to create that massive vision. Absolutely. I completely agree. And uh, do you have a gift for the audience today? Yes. So I have um, what is my uh, seven habits blocking your financial breakthrough. One of the things I've noticed is there are 
really common things that many people do. And they don't realize that by doing those things, they're actually making it harder for themselves to prosper financially. And they're even making it harder for God to bless them financially. And so the way that you can get hold of that is just head over to my website at uh, tianabclewis.com forward slash uh, seven habits and you can download that it's a great resource i will put the link in in yeah, right here so make sure that you click on the link and take advantage of this free gift so yes. tiana thank you so much for sharing all of this information uh you know like i think that is very important for people to understand that there is a positive connection between god mm-hmm. and money that that you know if it's done the right way and and you have the right attitude about it and the best the right understanding so right. i really appreciate your point of view and i'm sure that the audience will appreciate that too thank you so much i really enjoyed being here My pleasure. Thank you so much.